0: And welcome back to another episode of Alan Carr's Easeway Podcast, the show where we talk about breaking free from the grip of addiction and living a healthier, happier life. I'm your host, Colleen Dwyer. I'm a senior therapist with Alan Carr's Easy Way, and I'm the presenter of our series of online video programs. Today we have a really cool episode lined up for you. We'll be hearing from Wayne Spaulding, a former smoker who found the path to freedom through Alan Carr's book and is now dedicated to helping others to quit smoking in Chicago. Wayne's journey is nothing short of inspiring, and his story will give you hope. But that's not all. In this episode, we also have a special clip featuring a Hollywood A-lister, Ashton Kutcher, who used Alan Carr's Easy Way method to quit smoking. So you won't want to miss that one. And finally, I'll be sharing 10 top tips to quit smoking. So stick around because this episode is packed with inspiration and practical advice. And don't forget, if this show prompts any questions, you can always get in touch with us at pod at alancar.com. That's P-O-D at alancar.com. And be sure sure to visit alancar.com where you can explore the wide range of addictions and issues that Alan Carr's Easy Way has successfully addressed. But first, let me introduce our guest, Wayne Spaulding.
1: Uh, Hello, I'm Wayne. I'm an Alan Carr's Easy Way to Stop Smoking facilitator, and I've been working in the USA since 2017.
0: Fabulous. Thank you so much for joining us today, Wayne. So um, tell, tell me, what kind of a smoker were you?
1: Oh, you know, in some ways, I would say very typical of all smokers, you know, uh, that tug of war we talk about where, you know, you want to go on smoking, but you want to quit it was going on forever. I would say that I was in a unique position in my work environment in that. I was the type of smoker who could smoke in places other people couldn't because I was the maintenance supervisor at a factory. So when I wanted a cigarette, I didn't have to go outside in the freezing cold. I could go in number three compressor room, shut off some equipment, turn on an exhaust fan and smoke secretly in places that nobody else could. You know, so I was that kind of a smoker. Otherwise, just, you know, honestly, I was up to two and a half packs a day by the time I found Alan Carr's method uh, and like all other smokers in the world, really miserable about it. When we actually stop and take a moment and think about it, it becomes kind of instantly miserable when you consider it, doesn't it?
0: Oh, yeah. So so, how long did you smoke for then, Wayne? What What age were you when you started and...
1: Absolutely. I started when I was the typical age for many smokers, a teenager, 14 years old, you know, and I started in a work environment. I had a a day job at that age while I was in school as well. And one of my buddies was a smoker. And sure enough, you experiment. So I started at 14 and then um, actually quit a couple of times once when I joined the Navy. And I thought, well, I better get ready for the boot camp. I've got to get in shape and get physical. So I quit smoking, which, you know, you think at 17 years old, that was when I uh, quit, and then I joined the Navy at 18. Well, of course, as soon as I got to boot camp in the Navy, everybody was smoking cigarettes. And in fact, if you wanted to have extra time off, you were a smoker because those guys actually got more breaks than the non-smokers. So sure enough, I was smoking again. And then I smoked for another 27 years. Unbelievable, right? And then I decided I'm going to stop. This is it. I've had it. I quit smoking shortly after getting married by using nicotine patches. Now, I only put on about... 25 extra pounds of weight which I didn't you know enjoy at all but I wasn't smoking but I never felt free and about a year later I found myself smoking again and um then I lost the weight but I was a miserable smoker until Alan Carr's book was delivered to me in 2014. So I ended up smoking a total of like 32 years Colleen.
0: Gosh and for the uh, you know a large part of that you were trying to stop or in the process of uh actively stopping or wishing that you could Uh,
1: yeah most of it no most of it really just smoking and being miserable and trying not to think about it as smokers do the few times I did attempt to quit once with the patches it actually worked I didn't smoke but I never felt free and like I said I put on so much weight the other time it lasted for what month and a half while I joined the Navy and then I was smoking again or so really the great majority of my life not only didn't I try to not stop smoking I didn't even think about trying to not stop smoking much of the time that smokers do. Uh, so, and it's funny how the years fly by, don't they? Um, before you know it, I remember in my mid thirties thinking, I've already been smoking for 20 years, this is ridiculous. And you know, that did that stop me? No.
0: No, the head went right back into the sand and you thought, okay, I'll just carry on. So what made you then think about stopping?
1: Well, um, yeah, occasionally, when I had thought about it, lifted my head out of the sand and thought about it, and you're miserable then, you do want to quit. And my wife um, handed me a book one day called Alan Carr's Easy Way to Stop Smoking, the nice hardcover edition, you know. And I looked at the title of the book and almost laughed and said, "Yeah, okay. There's no easy way to stop smoking. I, you know, I'd never heard of it." And it kind of caught me off guard a little bit. I I couldn't almost suppress a giggle when I saw the title. Like, yeah, okay. But I thought, well, I'm going to give it a chance. You know, maybe it'll make it easier. And I started reading the book. And that's how I heard about Alan Carr's Method. Uh, before that, I'd never heard. And my wife um, just had some friends of her family that had both quit smoking by using Alan Carr's book and recommended it to her. So she bought me a nice new copy and gifted it to me and that's uh that's what happened
0: wow and so did your wife smoke or or not
1: never uh, she tried smoking once maybe twice when she was young and found it so foul and off-putting and nasty that she just couldn't do it and actually we, we mentioned that in the seminars you know some people just don't get it you know they're not going to stick with it they go this is awful i'm done with this i, I can't do it which is actually What we should all do is have that instinct and go with your gut feeling, right? Don't do it. But no, uh, we get past that foul taste before we know it and we're smoking. But not my wife. She tried it a couple times and said, no, this is just horrible and never, never started smoking.
0: Some people just don't have the willpower to persevere through those first disgusting cigarettes, do they?
1: (laughs) Exactly. And Alan's right about that too. You know, we forget how hard we had to work to get hooked on cigarettes, you know, in particular. I think vaping is a little different, isn't it? Where, you know, you have that, Flavor, taste already it's not so harsh and you don't have that um, kind of foul taste right off the bat people have with cigarettes
0: But you forget don't you like when you're a kid like actually having your first cigarette was it must have taken quite a lot of um, courage because it was a very unfamiliar product and it was forbidden you weren't meant to go near it you had to get your hands on a lighter and then put the flame up right by your face and then set light to it and then actually breathe in those those fumes you know kids of today with the vapes don't realize how how much easier sadly it is to um to kind of get get uh, <laughs> caught up in the nicotine trap
1: absolutely colleen it really is a different world in that regard and in some ways it's really quite sad i i've had clients in seminars talk about vaping and which we handle as well of course and one of my clients said something really profound that stuck with me. She said, "Well, just imagine, Wayne, if you had a lit cigarette in your pocket all the time that you could just pull out and smoke, and it wouldn't cause a fire, it wouldn't be smelly, you would you could do it serendipitously. Nobody would know. You know like a really, kind of a insidious way to get your nicotine when you think about it, isn't it? Uh, so, um, and the fact that yes, we overcome that foul taste, and they just, I just don't have to." Um, yeah, I think many people that start vaping, if it tasted foul like cigarettes, maybe they would be like many people that try cigarettes and never, you know, go any further than that first attempt or two. Um, but who knows? That's conjecture, isn't it? Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah.
0: And they don't have to go into the compressor room and turn on the exhaust and, like, uh, sneak the, <laughs> <laughs> the cigarette. Or... That's
1: exactly right. You don't.
0: <laughs> they can just take a couple That's of quick... That's right. My boss, cups.
1: nobody would ever know if I... Would... <laughs> Yeah, and they do. In fact, one of the saddest stories I've heard, um, it had to do with a story I got from a lady that called on the telephone. I do phone support, and she was in tears, and the reason she was so upset is that she watched her son uh, when she thought he was asleep, and her son is 13 years old. And he wasn't sleeping. He reached under his pillow and produced a jewel device and proceeded to inhale vape uh, fumes from the jewel device and put it right back under his pillow and went back to sleep, as it were. And she was just so sad having observed that, and I had to console her and talk to her, And yeah, vaping. Uh, it really is. And it's funny now, kids that vape are, um, you know, they're stigmatized now too, just the way it was with cigarettes. that's happening more and more. Um, that kids are looking down their noses at the vapors, just as kids used to look down their noses at the, it used to be the cool kids were the smokers, you know, and I think that's kind of true with vaping, That the image of the young person doing it, and that's uh, slowly changing, I hope, um, but yeah, very sad. Young people um, attracted to that horrible addiction in such an insidious way. Cigarettes aren't bad enough, we've got to vape now, it's just crazy to me.
0: Yeah. And what's happened then with Juul? They got in trouble, didn't they? Didn't they um, get... I thought they had to stop operating for a while.
1: Um, They were subjected to legal ramifications for advertising to young people, I think, and some of their flavours were reduced and they took a financial hit, but they're still around. And there's other copycats. I mean, the, the vaping industry is something... Really, I need to learn more about it. I have been learning Um, there's a, a group called truth initiative and they actually do a pretty good job at something that we at Alan Carr very much approve of it's showing how Tobacco use and now vaping as well is being portrayed in movies and television shows, podcasts, YouTube. And kids don't really watch television anymore, I guess. They're, they're watching stuff on podcasts and YouTube and all that sort of thing. And they're glamorizing vaping in exactly the same way they did with cigarettes back in the day when I was young. Uh, the same process is happening. So it's nice to have people watching that and helping us watch that as well. It's something we address in the seminars um, so, yeah, Truth Initiative just came out with a report about the 2023 Oscars and how many movies were showing um, tobacco use and vaping in the Oscars. And it was interesting. So, quite a high number, actually.
0: Yeah, well, and Netflix, I think that they said that um, their uh, shows had gone up, well, the incidence of smoking in their um, original shows have gone up by something like 30%. So yeah, it's good that there are these bodies out there. And they do it in quite a funky way as well, don't they? The uh, Truth Initiative, so um yeah. uh, all power to them. <laughs> we could deal with more, more um, sort of voices Yeah, I like just that. read the report. Very
1: helpful. And I thought that they were good at what they do because I think they just look at how many times it's actually the words tobacco, smoke, and how many images are seen. And they just count it. So it's very impartial. They're just looking at, okay, how many times does this come up in films and podcasts? So it's work that I don't have to do. I can just read the report. <laughs> but it is very sad to see the same exact process happening. So.
0: Exactly. It's just a repetition. Anyway. In fact, they're a bit wiser, perhaps now The people uh, in the vaping industry have learned from the tobacco industry's mistakes and and uh, their wins as well, and uh, they're using that absolutely to their to their advantage. It's uh, and it's happening right before our eyes, you know. And it's sad. So um, so you read the book. Sorry, back to <laughs> you read the book that your wife got you, um, and. Uh, like were you skeptical i guess then you weren't you thought the title was a little bit of a exaggeration perhaps
1: (laughs) i was very skeptical and you know it's funny um you know we talk about being skeptical in the seminars a bit as well you know and i was that guy i'm a skeptical person by nature colleen like you know show me prove it i'm i'm a firm believer in like medical science and randomized control trials and you know proven documented authorities on things right so when something like Alan Carr comes along I'm immediately like okay what kind of hocus-pocus nonsense you know Um, and it turned out when I read um, the Alan Carr claim I was more skeptical you know that anybody could find it easy to quit immediately without having to use willpower without suffering withdrawal pangs you know without any gimmicks or anything I thought okay it sounded all too good to be true but the truth is, Alan Carr is exactly right, and I was so pleasantly surprised. It really is about understanding the nature of the problem, which is psychological. It's understanding why we smoke, not so much why we shouldn't, but why do we actually do it? And we, and Alan Carr's insights and unique experience and worldview showed me, like, and shows all of us. Um, Yeah, it doesn't have to be hard to stop once you understand the problem. It's like any other puzzle. When you understand it, you can solve it. But until you understand it, it can be maddening, can it? So uh, that's my story. I read the book and uh, when when I started reading the book, I did what many people do. I got about... A third of the way into the book and immediately had a fear of quitting smoking I said oh my goodness this book is working if I keep reading this book I'm gonna quit smoking slap the book shut that was that I put it on my nightstand and it sat there for a couple of months but something then again had me take my head out of the sand and realize you know that book was working it was making a ton of sense I'm gonna read that book and I did a smart thing Colleen I started over from the beginning and I kind of knew a little what to expect because I'd already started reading it a little bit and then just did what Alan said. I read the book with a relaxed, open frame of mind. I you know, was skeptical while I read it, which he says, go ahead and be skeptical. And so really by the end of the book, not only was I like so delighted to be free, like I knew it was my last cigarette that I'd ever smoked in my life before i even smoked it before i even lit it you know like it was going to be like this won't be a problem i guess i'll go ahead and do this last cigarette because he says to but i wasn't even in a hurry to do it i'll just do that when i feel like it so on a saturday afternoon in september of 2014 i put out my last cigarette ever and before i ever extinguished it i knew i would never smoke again
0: wow it's it's incredible the the transformation in in the thinking and what what was it like then in the following days and weeks um how did that play out you know you Wonderful. so you didn't put on weight not another like 25 pounds <laughs> no
1: i was in great shape and and honestly it was such a joy you know for me it was almost like i had a secret you know i had this little secret that nobody knew about that i knew about and the secret was it's incredibly easy not to smoke once you know how, not to smoke once you're not worried about it, once you realize that you're giving up nothing. Like I was so sure about it, and that's what Alan Carr brought me and so many others. It's 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 and really it's a big part of the method is like just realizing that the certainty of it, the uh, you know, that's that's what Alan Carr really gives you that permanence because he gets to the heart of the problem, solves the actual problem. If you don't have a need or desire to smoke anymore, You're not going to have a problem. And Alan Carr's method removes the need and the desire to smoke. So, you know, really, uh, you don't have to use willpower anymore. It's, uh, it's a feeling of liberation, of freedom. And, and I did walk around kind of suppressing a smile at times just because I knew I'd never smoke again. And it was a miserable problem I had for over 30 years. I was up to two and a half packs a day. I mean, when I think about it now, I still look back with a sense of joy and wonder and happiness. And that has nothing to do with me being an Allen Carr professional. It has to do with being free. Um, and that'll never go away. So yeah, it was great, Colleen.
0: Oh, wonderful! And I bet your wife is happy as well, Wayne.
1: Yeah, uh, delighted, and even more delighted when she realized, well, we're going to have to go to London if I'm going to be interested in becoming an Alan Carr person. So yeah, she not only was delighted with me quit smoke, quitting smoking, stopping smoking, she was also delighted to uh, find out that I was interested in doing this work and and that we would be, you know, having a new little adventure in life um with alan carr so yeah of course she was and i was delighted for her i'm still very happy that i was able to give her the gift of better health for me if that makes sense
0: actually do you know you just did something there wayne which reminded me you kind of self-corrected yourself when you you went to talk about quitting and then you said stopping and um john and i had this question in our previous thing about because um, some people say, oh, you know, Alan Carr didn't like quitting, but we we were a bit confused. <laughs> is quitting the wrong word to use in America?
1: Oh, that's wonderful. And I heard that episode. Yeah. i heard, I heard all your podcasts <laughs> and they're great. And uh, I heard you guys discussing that very issue. And, and, you know, the thing is, I think either is acceptable, but having heard that conversation, I kind of prefer stopping now. Um, there's a an expression in the USA it's probably maybe it's universal i don't know but the idea is quitters never win and winters, winners never quit,
0: <laughs> oh i see right? so maybe that does give it a negative and, like connotations yep, yeah
1: if you go by that particular idiom i guess you know it's not a very positive thing to say but then again i mean quitting something that's terrible is not exactly like quitting is it you know it's it's so it's kind of a bit of a gray area but um, having listened to that podcast, I do agree with um, the, the idea that it's probably better to say stopping. I, I think that might be a preferable uh, term, but I think either is not. You know, splitting hairs a bit, aren't we? You know?
0: So, yeah. So I was going to ask you then, you, did you kind of quickly after quitting smoking decide that you wanted to, to be more involved with the organization? What, how did that come about?
1: Oh, great question. And, and for me, it was just a natural evolution of doing what Alan Carr said to do. Which was, after you finish your final cigarette reading the book, he recommends that you hang on to the book, which, yeah, okay, you know, and it's a wonderful book. In fact, I've gifted that book to quite a few people over the years, but I did what he said. I kept my copy of the book. And he says, every so often, if you want to just flip through it, read through it, it's a good idea to do that. And I was doing just that about two months after I quit. And what I didn't notice until I was flipping through the book randomly, just feeling good about being a non smoker and grateful to Alan Carr, is that there were seminars. And I saw this listing in the back of the book of all these places in the world doing seminars. And when I got to the end of the list, under USA, it said New York City and Los Angeles. And I thought, my goodness, they're doing it in New York and L.A. and nowhere else. Don't they need a Chicago presence? And I live near Chicago. So that's really what sparked the idea of just thinking, wow, this method is fantastic. And I wonder what they do. So that led to me just contacting John Dicey and asking about it, which then led to a back and forth uh, exchange involving becoming a franchisee in the United States, which then led to a Skype conversation and in that conversation I was about to say something to John about you know I should probably just go to London and see one of these seminars but before I could say that John said Wayne I think you should come to London and observe one of these seminars I'm afraid I'll have to insist on that really and I said well that's brilliant let's do that so off to London we went that was in 2015 and why did I become a facilitator well Colleen it might surprise you to hear this but because of you I attended your seminar I listened and I, I observed your your seminar in 2015 for the very first time ever not knowing at all what to expect and not only was, was I completely blown away I just couldn't stop thinking how amazing you were and how like could I even hope to do something like that and John assured me that if you do what we say and follow the procedures and train. You can do it too. And he had some faith in me. So um, that's the story. And then we signed a franchise. I actually became the, the first operational franchise in the USA in 2017. Um, so and it's been great ever since.
0: That's amazing. Well, I'm very, I'm very happy to know that I had a little role to play in it all for your um, bringing the method across to uh, to America. And um, so that, if you think about it, that was a very short time in between, like you read the book, you quit smoking, you kind of said to your wife, listen, this is something I'm interested in. And then. You had the two in the fro of getting the agreements done and the franchisee set up, and then basically within three years you were up and running and bringing the message to uh, to other people in in uh, your homeland. How has that been? How has that worked out? It's been great,
1: and um, I appreciate you saying. You know, three years it, it, it is amazing actually, because you know. It, um Some people could do it faster i know john was able to do seminars much quicker it took me forever to really be able to feel confident in doing doing the seminars you know Uh, and i shouldn't say forever but it took a long time and how's it been since right honestly it's been the most rewarding wonderful work you know um i've met so many fascinating people uh and not just colleagues like yourself around the world as well but the clients themselves colleen you know how many interesting cool dynamic people we see in our seminars and and, um, also we see you know the downside occasionally we have people that are really having medical issues and things like that and you feel badly for them but then there's the wonderful benefit of being able to truly help those people Um, so you have this thing where you're able to help so many people and so many of those people are fascinating interesting people that we very much of course want to help and uh, and we learn from them and and, uh, grow from doing it It, it's really amazing. Um, Part of what I do too is um, phone support people call my number if they have questions about the method this is something I never thought in my life but I'm actually in the back of Alan Carr's book as a contact person and like okay my name is in a book you know and people can call me and they do okay and so I'll answer questions about the method and it really is amazing to um, sometimes you have that feeling Colleen of just spending five ten minutes on a phone with somebody and ending that conversation and going wow that person really got it that person is gonna be fine, you just kind of sense it, you know that they're they're gonna they don't see any value in smoking at all, and they're never gonna smoke again and I played a part in that, and really it's Alan Carr all I'm doing is helping maybe clear up a certain concept or you know crystallize a point for that person so they see it a little better but uh, the the method works, and to watch it work, you know it's amazing, so yeah we're very. As Alan Carr himself said, I, I consider it a privilege to do it.
0: It really is. I feel like we're kind of um, spoiled in doing this job because um, I can't think of many things, many other things that would be quite as uh, rewarding and have such an impact on on people's life, and and also something that's so close to our own hearts because we've 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 been in that situation that people are currently in. So we have a great deal of empathy for um for the their plight. So, uh, no, that's that's fabulous. So what about, um, t- you said that you had some tales to tell, and I've been thinking, oh, come <laughs> on. <laughs> Let's hear this then, Wayne. Well,
1: you know, it's funny, like, tales to tell. I started thinking about that, too, when we talked, oh, i got a few stories for you. And then I started thinking, like, well, some of the stories aren't particularly super positive, they're just interesting, you know? Um, and then, so I don't want to, like, bring any downer stories to the party you know but okay here's a story about me smoking right we talked about one of the things that motivated me to quit smoking I'm a motorcycle guy I ride an old Harley it's this crazy 1982 shovel head engine old monster machine and it's really a lot of fun you know and um years ago I bought a jacket that I sent away for from New York City it's just a nice motorcycle jacket and I was that idiot smoker that you'd see riding a motorcycle while smoking a cigarette like how do you even do that right I mean like okay you're doing 30 miles an hour you got your hand on the handlebar but your other hand's on a cigarette you're kind of holding it out of the wind and puffing it I mean it's ridiculous right so one day I'm riding my motorcycle home from work and I'm doing about 60 miles an hour on the freeway on the highway and I felt a Oddly warm sensation in my nether areas, and what, like, what the? What is going on here? And then I look down and realize that my pocket of my nice leather jacket is smoldering and on fire. Because I had put my cigarette into the package thinking it was out, but it wasn't out. And now I had a fire going on inside my nice expensive leather jacket. And I was on the side of the road stomping on it, putting out the fire. And several other motorcycles stopped to help me. And they could help me by laughing at me and then moving along. Thank you for being so embarrassingly set my jacket on fire. I said, yeah, stories like that, um, you know. It's just one of the joys of being a smoker, um, and I don't miss that part at all. And I had to send that jacket to New York City, and I got it back about a month and a half later, and it cost me $300 just to fix the jacket. I mean, honestly, these are the joys of being a smoker. So, yeah, that's one story for you, I guess. It is. (laughs) But not a particularly happy story, is it?
0: No, but I bet you needed a cigarette after that. Oh,
1: I smoked one, yeah uh absolutely and uh, it's funny too i took a picture of that of uh, my burned jacket hole thing and then i don't know whatever happened i lost that photo i wish i had it because it was just a ridiculous photograph of just a literally burned up pocket on a jacket like what are you doing uh, so yeah um and you know other stories right i mean if you want positive stories how about receiving an email six or eight months after you've done a seminar and it's the photograph of an infant, and there's the reason the infant is in the photograph is her lovely mother was describing how happy she was to be a non-smoker and hasn't smoked for over a year since attending my seminar. She's given birth to this beautiful baby and is so happy to be a non- like to go out of her way to send me a picture of her baby. And say thank you for helping her out of the smoking trap type of thing. And I was just, you know, you can't help but walk on air for a while after something like that. So, yeah, I do have those wonderful positive stories as well. But that comes from being an Alan Carr facilitator, not from being a smoker. Yeah,
0: that's true. That is true. But it's um, it's funny, isn't it? Because you forget... Sometimes that um, it's not just the individual that you're helping, but that has um, repercussions to the wider family as well. And
1: yeah, the unexpected gains in health. Isn't that marvelous? I mean, you got the normal things that we know. Well, you're going to breathe easier. You're going to have more lung capacity. You're going to have more oxygen in your blood. You're going to feel like all these things. But we we do talk a little bit in the seminars, too, about some of the benefits that you really kind of don't see coming that are even more delightful um, in some ways. I mean, just feeling unencumbered, uh, not having to carry things around. And if you think about life nowadays right Colleen you have to get up in the morning you do your thing and when you leave the house you've got to have your car keys and your phone and your wallet and your this and, and you know one less thing I don't have to carry around cigarettes and lighters or vape I mean it really simplifies life as well and it gives you time it's one of the things that's it's unexpected benefit as well it's like we just don't realize how it steals little bits of time away from our daily activity you know particularly as a heavy smoker like I was um, I can't imagine for Alan Carr right Um, but you know you're out of the house you're you're leaving your environment to go smoke a cigarette in my case forty times a day you know more than that so if you add up four minutes times forty the time that we waste doing it is amazing to get that back Um, people talk like well what am I gonna do with that time you know listen that time is just naturally going to fill itself don't worry about that it's a gift Um, the truth is time is the stuff that life is made of if you really think of it so you're getting life back uh, literally getting your life back in in a, a percentage of time that you're not wasting poisoning yourself so how big a benefit is that you can't even measure that with money so
0: No, exactly. And it's not, and it's not just that it's, um, I remember even before going out for each of those cigarettes, I'd spend a good, I don't know, let's say five, 10 minutes thinking about going to have that cigarette. So I'd lose interest in whatever conversation I was having with a person or whatever piece of work I was trying to get done uh, uh, in the office or, you know, whatever it was that I was doing, I wasn't really present for it. I was, I was kind of trying to figure a way to get away and then have the cigarette and then of course after you spend the four or five minutes having the cigarette you come back to the conversation or that piece of work and you have you have to get back in the zone again so it's uh you know it's it's such a distraction and it, it stops us from feeling uh present doesn't it so uh, yeah you get you get all of that headspace back too when you quit
1: exactly right yeah, it dominates us. You know, it really does control us mentally, uh, you know, as well as physically. Um, and yeah, like you know, we talk about like I remember as a smoker, the classic thing. You know, you have this lovely meal, and you can have, we have this cigarette afterward, and it's it's almost like the meal is interfering with the smoking. You know, like it's craziness. But as a smoker, I, I remember feeling that like oh, I, I want to get this meal over with so I can go have my cigarette. And I was like, well, that's a ridiculous thing. Enjoy your meal and savor it. You, you know, you're 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 at a restaurant having a lovely beautifully prepared dish and you're rushing through it just so that you can step outside and poison yourself well that's you know so little things like that when you realize you know uh, traveling on an airplane as a smoker we know how miserable that is right you're oh, can't smoke on once I get to the airport oh no and then I've got to get all the whole process you know and now as a smoker traveling unencumbered it's just a joy uh, it really is so these little benefits that we don't even see coming that are so rewarding uh, uh, getting our time back not being controlled uh, so yeah it's great
0: it's good to um remind ourselves of that isn't it because for you so you quit in 2014 right and uh it's coming up to 10 years and um and i quit uh like a bit over 20 years ago and you can be forgiven for kind of losing sight of all of those wonderful um the absence of all of those negatives is actually such a precious thing and it's um serves us well doesn't it to uh to just kind of remind ourselves you know how lovely is this i'm walking down the road and i'm not bothered by the fact that I'm smoking and is it going in so-and-so's face or, you know, can I drop the cigarette butt on the floor or will I get fined or what have you. You can just walk down the road and you don't have a care in the world when it comes to uh, addiction. So yeah, so it's it's good. It's uh, sort of reminded me to, I I do kind of, yeah. I make a point sometimes, Wayne, of like looking at smokers and not, not in a horrible, superior kind of way, but as a little reminder that, um, you know, I'm not in that trap. Thank goodness. I'm not in that trap anymore, because the evidence is always there, isn't it, Wayne? It's kind of almost uh, jumping up and biting us on the nose of how awful and uh, unrewarding being a smoker is. What did you what were your favorite cigarettes?
1: Oh, my favorite cigarettes, the classics, right after the evening meal, um, you know, after yeah after the evening meal that was the one I looked forward to so much like oh I can sit now and relax and have my cigarette so that was a classic and as you know we get into the bottom you know into the weeds on that in the seminars and talk about exactly why that cigarette appears to be so much more special otherwise you know the usual bits you know um, drinking you know if you're having beers and have cigarette in one hand a beer in the other type of thing and socializing right Um, you know favorite cigarettes I guess when I was young, there was a brief time when i I suppose if you asked me about it, I would have said I really thought it was cool and I enjoyed it and I think that lasted for you know a matter of a month or two like it really is funny like when you you know like I remember being in the Navy and walking down the misty pier with my pea coat on and my collar turned up and having a cigarette in my mouth and feeling like I was that cool guy or whatever, and then you know, okay, really really you're the cool guy walking down the pier smoking a cigarette feeling like you're and honestly you look back at it now and it's so ridiculous i mean why in the world would i think that but at the time you know for a brief period there i thought you know well being a smoker that's the way to be you know
0: you were cool wayne that's the thing you were actually cool it was just you were lending your coolness to that cigarette it was it's quite a moody scene that you described there so i I was imagining a very cool wayne at 17 18 years of age, <laughs> of walking along. Yeah, log. that
1: was that was the image, that I thought the cigarette was making me cool, and it's. I guess I was making the cigarette cool, is what was happening there, if there was any any kind of cool involved at all, you know, and who am I trying to impress anyway, I mean, it's a pier in the middle of a, like, there's nobody there, there's no audience <laughs> to it, and, and I think, you know, so, like, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Um, but yeah, that's how it was, um, and, yeah. Yeah, being a smoker, another joy, you know, like, honestly, thinking that we're... Um, special or something and and honestly smokers are special but everybody's special nothing special about being a smoker except you're addicted to nicotine and Alan Carr shows us that you know and and as you know Colleen so many of our clients you know they show up at the seminars and they're understandably you know nervous about the whole thing to the point some of them are almost panic-stricken about quitting and you have to kind of you know understand that they think that for them, it's going to be absolutely harder than it, you know, like there's something about them that's going to be different, and it's going to be so much harder. They're going to be miserable. And the truth is that everybody is different and unique. But when it comes to smoking, really not so much. We're all very much in that camp, and we all, once we understand it, again, solve the puzzle. We can solve it and uh, be free forever. Uh, but until then, it's really quite terrifying. And I, we, we always have to remember that people show up at our seminars feeling quite apprehensive. Um, and, and I would have been the same way, I suppose, as a smoker
0: yeah that's right and it's um incredible isn't it to see the transformation that occurs you know in the um in the seminar to go from that like not not everyone finishes the seminar feeling like you know buoyant and everything but a lot of people do um it's not a a a marker of success but it is quite nice sometimes when you when you see someone leave the seminar just absolutely certain that is it i am never ever Um, going back there again. Hey, so Wayne, what are you doing with the uh, Rubik's Cube there?
1: Oh, I I solved the cube. Um, One of our colleagues, Mark Keane, during uh, one of the wonderful conferences we attend, looking forward to that this year, um, he said that he likes to do the Rubik's Cube while he's doing the seminar, he solves it as a progression along the way as we're kind of solving the smoking trap and unraveling all the mysteries behind why people smoke and getting to the bottom of it in addition to that he's kind of slowly but surely solving the Rubik's Cube and at the end of the seminar Mike, Mark will hold up the cube and say okay you've solved this problem finally the puzzle is solved and every time you look at this puzzle it gives you a feeling of health and satisfaction a feeling of confidence a feeling of really that you've kind of conquered the world it gives you money in your pocket every time and why would you ever just scramble it all up again and have to start over for no good reason just leave it be and I think that's a wonderful thing um, having that certainty you're talking about at the end of the seminar so the Rubik's Cube is kind of a representation of that Um, And I don't really copy that from Mark during the seminar, but I have learned to solve the cube. And if it comes up during the breaks and whatnot, I kind of point that out. um, uh, Some people don't even notice I'm doing it, and it's just on the shelf behind me. But by the end of the seminar, it's always solved. Uh, So that's why I do that, and it's kind of fun. And it is wonderful to have those people leave the seminar so confident. And it's a great feeling. But as you well know, we have the opposite thing. I had a client in Chicago last year, a lovely lady, um, absolutely marvelous. And she left my seminar just nervous as could be, Colleen. She was literally shaking. I don't know, Wayne. Let's just, you know, I'm I'm still kind of nervous. Oh, hey, look, don't worry. It's going to be okay. You've got my number. Call me if you struggle at all. Well, two weeks later, I get a message from her on my phone saying, Wayne, I don't know what you did, but it's fantastic. I'm free. I'm doing great. I've never struggled. I can't believe it. And I said, I didn't do anything. It was Alan Carr, and I'm so glad you're doing well. So my point is that people leave the seminar feeling walking on air, over the moon, completely free. People leave the seminar feeling like, I don't know if it worked. I'm kind of nervous. And either way, Those people are often so happy to never smoke again. So it it is amazing. You can't read people's minds, right? Um, But we can do our best to help them out of the trap. And then we see what happens. There's a little bit of a, okay, go out in the world and prove it. You know, go go live your life. And uh, I love it when people are often pleasantly surprised by how easy it can be. So how about that as an extra bonus to our work, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's incredible, Wayne. Thank you so, so much.
1: Oh, Colleen, it's been an absolute joy. So great to see you again. Great to talk a little bit.
0: Fabulous. Thanks, Wayne. And now I'm pleased to introduce one of Hollywood's most versatile and captivating stars, Ashton Kutcher. With a career spanning over two decades, Ashton has charmed audiences worldwide and has firmly established himself as a household name in the entertainment industry. But Ashton's impact extends even further than that. He's known for his entrepreneurial spirit and his dedication to philanthropic causes. Ashton has been a vocal advocate for social issues, leveraging his platform to raise awareness and to promote positive change. And today we have the privilege of hearing from Ashton about how he quit smoking using Alan Carr's method. I hope you enjoy.
1: Now you quit smoking also, right? Yeah. Was that because of this? Okay. Yeah. How hard was that? Because you used to smoke a lot. I was a good smoker. I was so good at it. But, <laughs> I was like, it's a skill. I really. could have
0: like taken if there was like professional smoking,
1: I bet I could have won something. Really? Wow. Well I'm glad you quit. You feel better no, than No, I read this book. I read this book by this guy Alan Carr. Yeah. And it's called The Easy Way to Stop Smoking. And the great thing is
0: while you're reading the book, you get to smoke. Like he tells you when to light up. He's like, all right, light one now. And you're wait, like no, Absolutely. Now, wait, wait, Absolutely. A, and you get a smoke, like, all the way through the
1: book. What, talking, and, what is this? Philip Morris put this book out? No, it's, it's, this guy's brilliant. And you get to the last page, you're like, all right, light your last one. You're like, I don't know if I want... Like, by the time you get to the end, you're like, I don't know if I want to
0: light it, but... Okay, if you say so, Alan. And, and then you're like, savor that last puff. You know, he's like, take the last puff now. And you're like, take the... And you're like... Yeah. And that was
1: it. And you put it out, and then you're just done. Wow. I haven't smoked since, like, for like a year and a half. Well, or that's that amazing. Yeah. check this exactly yeah.
0: What an incredible endorsement from Ashton Kutcher. It's really cool how so many famous people who quit with our program then go on to speak about it publicly. Um, In fact, all the people who take the time to make recordings or share their experiences in quitting with us have our total respect and gratitude. It really helps the people who are still caught up in the addiction to know that there is an easy way out and a better life on the other side of that decision to quit. So now I'm going to share Alan Carr's Easy Way to Stop Smoking, 10 Tips to Quit Smoking for Good. And of course, these are by no means a replacement for reading the book or attending the seminar or watching our online video program. But everyone loves the top 10 list. So here we go. Number one, set your quit date to stop smoking or vaping. OK, you're going to stop smoking or vaping naturally. So just carry on as usual until then. Get the date and the time to stop and carry on smoking, as usual, right up to that time. Don't try to cut down beforehand because all that does is it makes cigarettes or vapes seem precious when they are not. Number two, look forward to it. Remember you're not giving up anything because cigarettes do absolutely nothing for you at all. They provide you with no genuine pleasure or crutch. They simply keep you addicted, a slave to nicotine. So get it clearly into your mind that you are losing nothing and that you are in fact making marvellous positive gains, not only in health, energy and money, but also in confidence, in your self-respect, freedom, and most important of all, in the length and the quality of your future life. You're going to enjoy being a non-smoker right from the moment you put out your last cigarette. Nicotine addiction is actually weak. It's an extremely mild, slightly insecure feeling. To ensure success, focus on the 99%, the mental aspects of addiction. Understanding why you smoke is essential. Now, most smokers mistakenly believe that they do it because they enjoy it or because it gives them some kind of benefit or support. It's just the addiction that convinces them of this. Number three, have a final cigarette. You're going to give up smoking easily, so make a solemn vow. Actually, there's nothing to give up. What you're doing is you're getting rid of something. Have your final cigarette and make a solemn vow that regardless of what highs or lows may befall you in future, you will never smoke or take nicotine in any form again. This really is one of the most important decisions you will ever make, because the length and the quality of your future life critically depend on it. And what's more, you know it's the correct decision even as you make it. So having made what you know to be the correct decision, never even begin to question or doubt that decision. Number four, be cool about withdrawal symptoms. The physical withdrawal is very slight and it passes quickly. Your body will continue to withdraw from nicotine for a few days, but that doesn't mean you have to be miserable or crave cigarettes. The physical withdrawal is very slight. There is no pain and it passes quickly. And what's more, it's what vapors and smokers suffer all their smoking lives. Non-smokers do not suffer it. You are a non-smoker and so soon you'll be free of it forever. The unpleasant symptoms people describe as nicotine withdrawal are nothing of the sort. The empty, insecure feeling of nicotine withdrawal triggers a thought process. It's the result of that thought process which leads to the unpleasant physical feelings. If you associate smoking with a coffee, a tea, a drink or a break, have your coffee, tea, drink or break and in that moment, instead of thinking, oh I can't smoke anymore, simply think, Isn't it great? I can enjoy this moment without having to choke myself to death. Five, socialize as normal. You won't be craving a cigarette, so there's no need to avoid smokers. Do not try to avoid smoking situations or to opt out of life. Go out and enjoy social occasions right from the start and do not envy smokers, pity them. Realize that they will be envying you because every single one of them will be wishing that they could be like you, free from the whole filthy nightmare. No smoker wants to see their children start smoking, which means they wish they hadn't started themselves. Remember, it's not you who are being deprived, but those poor smokers. They're being deprived of their health, energy, money, peace of mind, confidence, courage, self-respect and freedom. If you're offered a cigarette, just say, no thanks, I don't smoke, rather than starting a long conversation about how long it's been since you've stopped. Number six, think about smoking. Don't try to not think about smoking, that doesn't work. If I said to you now, whatever you do, don't think about brick wall. What are you gonna think about? Exactly. So just make sure that whenever you are thinking about it, you're not thinking, I want to have a cigarette, but I can't have one. Instead think, isn't it marvelous? I don't need to smoke anymore and I don't want to smoke anymore. Yippee, I'm a non-smoker. And then you can think about it all you like and you will be happy. Number seven, there's no such thing as just one cigarette after you quit smoking. The next smoke is the continuation of a problem, not the solution. Understand a cigarette simply momentarily relieves the discomfort caused by the previous one. That's how addiction works. The more you experience the effect, the more convinced you become. You believe that the cigarette is solving the problem rather than causing it. Never be fooled into thinking you can have the odd smoke just to be sociable or just to get over a difficult moment, because if you do, you'll find yourself back in the trap in no time at all. So never think in terms of one cigarette, always think of the whole filthy lifetimes chain. Remember, there is no such thing as just one smoke. Number eight, avoid substitutes. Do not use any substitutes. They all make it more difficult to stop because they perpetuate the illusion that you're making a sacrifice. Substitutes that contain nicotine or so-called nicotine replacement therapy, like patches, gum, nasal sprays, e-cigarettes, and inhalators, they are particularly unhelpful as they simply keep the addiction to nicotine alive. It's like advising a heroin addict who's smoking the drug off foil to start injecting it instead. Number nine, ditch your cigarettes. You are already a non-smoker the moment you put out your final cigarette. Do not keep cigarettes on you or anywhere else in case of an emergency. If you do, it means you're doubting your decision. Non-smokers do not need cigarettes. You are already a non-smoker the moment you put out your final cigarette. In fact, one of the many joys of being free is not having to worry about having cigarettes and a light on you, the ending of that slavery. And number 10, Enjoy your freedom. Live a smoke-free life and be on your guard not to fall back into the trap. If your brain ever starts playing tricks on you by thinking just one cigarette, remember there's no such thing. The question really you need to ask yourself is not, should I have one cigarette now? But rather, do I want to become a smoker again? All day, every day, inhaling the smoke into my lungs, never being allowed to stop. And of course the answer to that question is no way. And why? Well, because I didn't enjoy being a smoker and that's why I decided to become free. And then that way, those moments can become pleasurable as you congratulate yourself that you're free and that way you can enjoy remaining a non-smoker for the rest of your life. And there you have it, the Alan Carr top 10 tips. Right, so that's us done for today's episode. Check out our next episode, which features Jerry Williams. Jerry runs our alcohol seminars in London and we also have a clip of Ellen DeGeneres, another A-list celebrity who's quit with our program. Until next time, enjoy your freedom. This is Addiction Central. Addiction Central. We want
1: to hear your success stories. Answer your questions. And provide advice. If
0: Alan Carr is this he has not for you? This advice is free of charge. We'll answer every question we receive with no exceptions. Contact us now at pod at alancar.com.